Welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Our mission is simple. To talk about the video games we're playing, to discuss all issues surrounding gaming, and to cultivate a community of like-minded people who want to discuss gaming with each other. In recent years, we have seen an explosion in social media usage. Most people in the first world spend parts of their day surfing the various social media platforms on their phones, computers, TVs, and even video game systems. Now, more than ever, it is easier to find an opinion that coincides with how you feel about something. A result of this is more and more opinions going out into the world. So when it comes to gaming, how has social media influenced gaming and game design? So after we beat that topic to death, we'll be sure to squeeze in some gaming talk discussing Switch Sports, Overwatch 2, Horizon Forbidden West, Eurogun, Knotwords, and Phantom Brigade. We also have to discuss PAX East, which will assuredly be exciting. We will read out the results of the social media polls that you, the Chompers, voted on. And we will round out the show with the ever-so-special Patreon shoutouts. Plenty to get to, so let's not waste a second. He has returned to us from the east, where PAX occurred. His knees and back battered. He promised to be more physical and work out more so as to get his butt into shape. Since then, I'll be happy to note that he has lifted the controller twice as much, mashed buttons with even more gusto than before, and stood up from his chair three times as much as his bladder has yet to recover from the copious amounts of imbibing he partook in. Please give a warm welcome back to Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what up, you fucking gamooks? I'm back from Boston, huh? You saying I'm a bad father? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. I am. All right. Um, yeah, no, good to be back. Uh, long week, guys. Fun week. I met <laughs> a lot of people. I played a lot of cool games. Um, I, it was a good growth opportunity for us that I think went really well. And mm. I had so you a lot finally of got the tumor you've been wanting. Yeah, I, I've always had it, but you know, it was in my heart the whole time, according to the doctor. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like you weren't joking. Like it wasn't even a matter of um, killing myself. It's like shows like this were something I used to do without a problem. But like, you underestimate how much less we move overall with a pandemic happening. Like just the pure stamina. Of going for twelve hours a day, constantly on the move, I I thought I was gonna die. Well, you know what? You learned a very valuable lesson, Rich. Don't try. That's right. Do don't try. Do for all you young kids. <laughs> this out wasn't there. really what I was going for, but um, I know I, I I did I did the the Uno reverse on you. Reverse, reverse. Uh, but yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. I have a lot to talk about because yeah. of... I have, I have a lot of questions, but I want to sure, say I'm it. happy to field all of them. Like, the most exciting part for me, and I messaged you about this privately, is, like, I kind of, for when we eventually get to the PAX EAG segment, like, the way I, like, rank some of the games I want to bring up, because I'll obviously point to, like, some of the written stuff I put out and pl- I still plan to put out, and those bonus podcasts. I like tiered games where I'm like, Josh and Shay should really check this out. <laughs> 
Dope. Yeah, I'm excited to get into that. But I have one question now that's like not it's like PAX East adjacent. Sure. Um so <laughs> I can't even ask this without a straight face. I was gonna try. Um did you did you uh happen to meet any lucky ladies, Rich, and did you wear a condom when you did? Uh no, and I was always wearing a condom. Uh no, like the, 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 here's actually the funny thing about your question, which is hilarious in its own right. Um but like there was a time when events like PAX were a haven for anonymous sex. I'll tell you that. I'll be honest about that. Um this year was not one of those years, and I think it's mostly because it's a re- like it's a miracle the convention happened at all. No developer was throwing a party this year. <laughs> mm, damn it. Like, I couldn't get so fucking shit-stained drunk at a Monster Hunter party that we convinced an airbrush tattoo artist to airbrush a fucking uh, gun lance on my ass. You know, that couldn't happen. (laughs) It's unfortunate. Devs weren't throwing parties, so you couldn't throw your wood around. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Well, you know what, Rich? Even though you didn't sling any wood, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're going to talk about some games together. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I think so. I played some. I'm proud of you, kid. Thank you. Today, I'm also joined by someone who is just sick of all these goddamn silly intros. They just want to get to the meat and potatoes of things. Because potatoes are delicious. So. It's true. Delicious. You ever notice how we can prepare potatoes in so many different ways? Josh, what's your favorite way to eat a potato? Oh, damn! That's like you said. There are so many ways. Um, I know. I was. I was I like, it, it, it as I was writing, the potato. I like, did say that. It, it it depends on the on the variety. Like for like uh, red potatoes, I li- I like them. You know, just like diced and fried with onions. Um. That's that's always good for uh for like any of the good uh like yellow waxy potatoes mm. mashed is is the best thing to do with those they're they're those are brilliant mashed and then for just like the giant russet potatoes those are nice and starchy and you really can't beat just baking those like a good uh you know two and a half hour baked potato if, if it's uh if it's like a russet. This is weird, but I have a potato thing to bring up real quick because I want to know how you guys feel about this. You guys are familiar with like what the fare of like, say, like convention food kind of is, right? Like where it's like usually over expensive crap. So while I was at PAX, I went out for pretty much every meal, like because I didn't want to spend an insane amount on very mediocre convention food. Yeah. On the second floor of the Boston Exhibition Center, one of the stands all weekend was serving like a loaded mashed potato bowl. And I was Mm. looking at these people going, how are you eating a loaded mashed potato bowl and then continuing to just walk around this place all day? That sounds terrible. Why why does it sound terrible? It's just good. It's heavy. Like you want to go into a food coma after that. Like, yeah, like a loaded not not mashed, like a loaded baked potato would be fine because you get so much less fat in there from butter. But like, yeah, good mashed potatoes are like 
20% butter by the time you're done with them. Like, dude, my lunches at these things are usually like a salad or a sandwich, like something I can eat that yeah. can keep me light on my feet and I can keep moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see, I see your point. Because yeah, you're you're usually putting some kind of cream into mashed potatoes or some some copious amounts of butter. But that at shit's the same heavy, time, man. But you're walking around twelve hours straight. You're burning a shit ton of calories. So in some ways, it makes sense. But you it's are like a, still sounds gonna... like a good end of the day meal. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like because no, you're you're right. You are burning off a ton of cal- calories, Shay. But typically, I find when you eat something that's super comfort foody like that, like the last thing you want to do is like stand up and go walk around a ton. It it's like eating that heavy at lunch in general is insane to me. But in that setting, it's even worse. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It sounds good to me, but I'm I'm like a one meal a day sort of person. So. You just forage when you wake and whatever well, you can find. Or 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 not. Like, usually just, you know, have to... I usually do dinner, and that's about it. Sure. Then, I mean, admittedly, like, I have the same breakfast every day on this trip because there was a Starbucks in our hotel. So I'd wake up, get coffee, get some egg bites, get on the subway. That works. Mm, yeah, I, I was talking with a friend the other day, and I, we were hanging out, and I asked him, I was like, you want to make some like simple food? And they're like, sure. And I was like, you want to make some mashed potatoes? And they're like, I don't like mashed potatoes. I was like, so you kicked them out. I I was tempted. I was, please leave. Yeah. (laughs) Away with you, vile man. Away with you. Leave and never come back. Do not darken my doorway again. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Well, Josh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, whether it's to talk about potatoes or video games, I'm yeah, glad you're I, here. I want to... potatoes now. The mashed potatoes in potato potato games sounds good. I've uh, well, yeah. Let's talk I'd about go for a nice scalloped potato. Those are good. I like some good potatoes au gratin. Those are, yeah, that's that's where it's at. Or, or a potato casserole, those sliced, lots of good, you know, mm. onions in there, lots of lots, lots of cheddar. A baked potato soup. I like a baked potato soup. I was just thinking the same thing. That's not bad. I I I like those as long as they don't go too heavy on the cheese. I don't. You can't overdo it. You because it's already cheese heavy. Cheese does not go in soup. Like it's the the whole you know like it depends. It depends because you cheese you can and have broccoli. That's it's horrible. That's it's, that's horrible. No, I, I I love that, but I will agree with you on the baked potato soup because all. Like a loaded baked potato soup, right? I just like a little cheese on the top. Like it's not an yeah, ingredient, yeah. but you like shredding it and dropping it on the top. Exactly. Like like it's it's something you put on top, kind of like you know crackers or whatever. Like the crackers should not be the soup. It's a, agreed. Sure. Yeah. I think a cheddar broccoli soup is a different beast, but I will not pick that. Even though I think it's delicious, I will not pick that soup nine times out of ten because a cheese based broth is so it's, heavy. Exactly. It's it's way too heavy. It like yeah like. This a is cup, a weird podcast a, a, we're doing. A cup of that. Like, you, you'd never go for a bowl of cheese We should do a, We should soup. do a That's cooking good. show. Yeah. <laughs> we should not, because we already have, like, a thousand other ideas that we're supposed to be doing and we're not doing, so, no. <laughs> we're so good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I'm appalled pile. by some of what both of you said, so instead of acknowledging it, I'm just going to move on and mm. say thank you both for being here. Um, and I'm Shay, the host of this shindig. Now, did you know... Oh, Excuse me, did you all know that shindig likely comes from the Scottish word shinty, which is a game similar to hockey? Well, neither did I, Mm. but now you know. 
And you can walk away knowing that you learned something new here and you didn't waste your time here today by listening to us. That's good news, right? It's a plus. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. You're probably not going to use that. I mean, please, please feel free to listen to the rest of the podcast, but... Bring it up at a party if you want to be insufferable. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Did you know that shit, Nick? Um... (laughs) But now let's let's get into some video game talk as I think we've kind of dawdled on long enough. We've prattled on. So I, I kind of wanted to look at this topic because I was thinking about how games have just been analyzed and are basically absorbed nowadays. Whereas back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, you relied we relied so much on publication to kind of tell us and excite us and hype us up for the upcoming games. And you would go to the stores, the various stores to kind of get information about them because that mattered at the time. You'd have people who would play games early and they would, your local game uh, worker, I guess, would tell you, hey, I played this game. This is a really sick game. It's good if you're into these kind of games. Or you'd hear about it on, you know, kind of playground word of mouth from your friends for the most part. Th- those are the ways you really learned about games. But nowadays, it's it's so much different. In, I mean, there are certain ways that it's still the same, but it's so different nowadays where you can watch a YouTube video, which is kind of its own form of social media in some ways. You hop on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok and you see various posts on there or reddit and they're talking about the game and you you can discuss with people um across the world that you would never meet about these games or you can hop on twitch and you can watch people play the game and you can say you know what that looks like my type of game i should get that game there's so many different ways now and it's in some ways kind of a more direct immersive experience to learn about these and i think that that not only influences what we pick up and play as consumers, but I also think that it has influenced game developers as well. So I, I wanted to talk about this um, from those two kind of angles, both as a consumer, which we'll be able to speak more eloquently on. And what I want us to talk about first is from a game developer aspect, how has social media influenced um, game design? So, Rich, you were just at PAX East, so yes. I'm actually there. N- no correlation there, but no, I, that's going to be my excuse <laughs> to throw it to you first. How sure. do you think social media has influenced game design? Um, well, I think the easiest thing you could point to is um, accessibility, <sighs> like in terms of developers having access to fans. Like there is a there's there's a more direct feedback loop for just feedback directly from the consumer's mouth. Like I can go tweet at Ed Boon and tell him that I think Raiden is stupid and he's probably not going to take that into consideration. And also I don't think Raiden is stupid. That was just the first example that came to my <laughs> mind for some reason. Um, but that's probably the, the biggest impact from journalists to straight to consumers being able to literally go tweet at your game dev Say you're playing a, an indie game tonight, Shay, and you encounter like a game breaking bug. You could hop on Twitter and just tweet at the creator and be like, hey, this happened. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. that's such a good point. I think that you have a much more direct line with the the game developers of a game you're playing, which can be a benefit to consumers sometimes. Definitely can be a detriment in some regards to the game developers. But for the most part, I think it's kind of a helpful way to, um, you know, get information about your game. I think that's an easier way rather than, you know, just the glitch forever existing. Um, it's a blessing and a curse that developers can now receive completely unfiltered feedback from consumers. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, like, I, I think that's such a good point, too, though, because you think about alphas and betas now and stuff like that, which is something in the game portion of this show we're going to be talking about later. But I think that is a direct result in some regards to social media being such a huge thing now because you can talk about the alpha and beta online with other people who are playing and you can say, hey, I'm having this issue. Are you having this issue too in this this alpha form? And then you guys can, you know, report on that. And in some ways it kind of becomes this microcosm of a social media or forum in some ways when you are playing an alpha or a beta with other people in an exclusive format yeah i mean that some form of that has always existed it was just at at a certain point you know like alpha builds were a thing being sent to outlets and then there was like a network of journalists talking to each other and going hey did you encounter this or giving that feedback directly to the developers? Now it's just bigger and easier to handle because you can just take a swattering assortment of consumers and 90% of the time it's not so much a beta as it is, hey, we're calling this a beta, but really it's a stress test Yeah. Um, to make sure our servers can handle it. But that's cool because it makes consumers feel like they're part of the process and mm-hmm. it makes it easy to test things like that that are important. Right. I mean, at that point, you probably have... L- as the consumer or the tester, quote unquote, you have little influence on the end product. But if you encounter a game breaking glitch or a major issue that you can report it to the developers and they'll be able to make that adjustment before the game releases. Yes. Yeah. Josh, uh, how do you think ga- uh, social media has influenced game development and game design? Um, I, th- I think kind of... <sighs> I'm not going to say like the biggest part of it because I, th- I think I do think the just the direct feedback is kind of the biggest part of that. Um, but I think one of the th- things that like y- is unique to uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm <clears throat> voice is not working for me today. Um, like as far as game design that we're only getting because of social media and because of the ease of communication for a fan base at this point. Um, are things like some of the AR games slash ridiculously insane hidden secret uh, type stuff? Um, that you know you can't really rely on a person to solve. Tunic um, might be a good example of that. Well, Tunic as an example, or um inscription from last year there's so much stuff in there that like oh this is neat let me go poke at this and like we'll we'll try a bunch of different things but you know 
it, a it big portion be, of the fun is the fact that there's thousands of people on the internet mm-hmm. talking about have you seen this weird crazy fucking thing yeah and and everyone trying to take a crack at solving it because it's it's becomes this shared experience yeah like it, it's one of those things that there were there were hidden things in games before but they'd take forever for anyone to figure it out because there wasn't an easy way to like organize around figuring out secrets like that well uh, like yeah and that's just it it used to be handled different uh differently even think back to you know 20 years ago and like a big part of uh say mortal Kombat's trajectory was mortal Kombat was full of all these arcade secrets and how did those things get out every couple of months uh, the studio would midway would go out and just like leak a bunch of it to the press and have them print it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like nobody was really figuring out how to get reptile. Like getting reptile was a thing you heard your friend talk about once. And you're like, that's bullshit. And then four months later, you'd watch somebody do it at the arcade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's so much easier to come across that stuff now that it's, it's kind of, you know, not not like the baseline experience, because you kind of have to assume not everyone's going to look up anything. But it's it is assumed that if you're interested, you're going to come across other people who are working on the same stuff together. Um, find some lead if you can't even directly find the answer. You'll find other people trying to find the answer. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's another great way. Um. One of the ideas that I had come to my mind back when I was running the Twitter, um, which thankfully feels like a, a lifetime ago <laughs> for uh, Sword Chomp, I, I noticed that a lot of game developers, like indie game developers, were very supportive of each other, and they're always mm-hmm. trying to you know, like lift up each other's content. But I think one thing that you could see from that is, and obviously I have no direct way of confirming this unless I interview some of these game developers but um that if I if I'm making a similar game or a game in a similar genre or the same genre as another indie dev and I see something that they've implemented I could be like holy shit that's a really good idea I wonder if I could fit a version of that or make what they're doing into my game but a version of what what that would be from my own hand but like what they're doing. I think that's such a huge way because indie game devs are really good at this. They share their little progress updates because that's part of the way they generate a buzz about their game is the constant posting of that. But you get to see step by step a lot of times what they're doing. And that can be very influential for other aspiring current or future indie game devs. Social media has definitely pulled back the curtain on the development process, and that's nothing but a win as far as I'm concerned. That's just super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like not just the, you know, here's where I am, but I've, I've seen a whole lot of, you know, like here's a little thread about how I implemented this particular feature, like like actual, you know, coding information. Like this, this is how it's actually built type things, which I think is I think is good for the fans to see just to kind of have you know more of an idea of like how how does this thing work um because there's like i th- i think there's more knowledge about you know coding 
than there used to be, but it does. It's not For a sure. universal thing at this point, and I think it is useful to kind of have an idea of how the sausage is made. Like, how does this thing even come together? Um, I like to think at some point there will be a generation where like everybody knows a little bit of coding. Like it's just a thing everybody learns at a certain age. Mm-hmm. I, I I do think that's something that will get there, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just kind of think about like 20 years ago when like I was 12 and to imagine having the sheer amount of information that we have now and how a video game is made. Like I can't fathom that 20 years ago but now that yeah, information is just readily available 20 years ago was like rpg maker like let me see if i can make a god-awful rpg on four ps2 memory cards because it like, hell yeah <laughs> yeah took so much to actually save anything on that thing i mean hell even that's come a long way yeah i remember trying that game one time and i was like i have no fucking idea what i'm doing i can't play this yeah, one of my friends had that and would have me come over and like, here, look at this thing that I made. And it was always like one screen with, you know, some NPCs that would and it, it was. Yeah, it was. And to be clear, we now live in a world where some developers are like, I made this game in Game Maker and it's really fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. No, Game Maker is actually fairly full featured at this point um, and newer versions of rpg maker are pretty fleshed out mm-hmm. you want to be messing with them on a computer not on a console but <laughs> yes <laughs> they're pretty fleshed out yeah it's just i think it's really cool where where game like where i don't want to say gaming per se but just the information surrounding gaming is at now so it mm-hmm. allows game devs to kind of like look at each other's progress and be like, oh, that, that's a really cool idea. I want to implement some form of that. Social it, media has helped grow the indie market in that way that is... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't even... Like, film is definitely comparable, but indie gaming, the indie game-making scene is still a different beast from, like, almost any other uh, media of entertainment. Yeah, I really like how generally, obviously, this isn't you know across the board but i generally like how supportive the indie dev scene is of each other you know from the mm-hmm. limited interactions that i've seen does it warm the cockles of your heart it does my cockles are indeed warmed your cock is toasty i mean uh, pass i wish you'd just keep <laughs> my dick out of your fucking <clears throat> mouth pass Um, anyways so let's analyze keep my dick at your fucking keep my wife (laughs) I was typing that because I have more sense than to say it out loud nope it's in the show now yeah Yeah. anyways let's look at it from the other angle of how social media has just influenced how we consume games um I mean, what did, what did you guys think about when you first read that this is a topic we were going to do this week because I decided and didn't consult you at all? I thought Shay makes good decisions. <laughs> uh, Thanks, buddy. I, I mean, as far as how it changes how I've consumed games, I think in the same way it kind of blew the indie market wide open. 
it would be harder to find indie games without social media in general. Like it gives oh, yeah. a much needed signal boost to smaller games like this. Um, us being in like a rare position where I often have people like forwarding games to me and being like, you'd like this, um, which is cool in its own right. But I, mm-hmm. it's hard to beat the social media beast. We know that better than anybody, but sometimes it helps the underdog come out on top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hmm. Like, as as for your question, how how has it changed? What I I think I kind of addressed this at some point before when we were talking about how we find indie games, but just you know, coming at this backwards, um, from for this topic, but um, yeah, no, like I follow devs that I like and see what they're into, and a lot of times that is, you know, shown me other indie developers like. Um, who are also doing, you know, pretty unique stuff, but yeah, no, like it, it definitely helps just being able to stumble across something like that, um, without going to look for it. Like, like Rich was saying, someone will just send something to you or it'll just come across your timeline has, there've been a lot of things like that. And, and some of it, um, Like we stuff would still get discovered, obviously, um, but it would be way more dependent on the platform holders to kind of promote. Like, okay, this this thing's on the front page, or like the um, the Nindies showcase stuff. Every now and then, something will pop up there, and it's still something I've never heard of before. Um, even though I'm, you know, pretty plugged into that. Pretty scene, plugged yeah. into that scene. Stuff will still show up there. I'm like, oh. Nintendo found something that I wasn't even, you know, wasn't even on my radar uh, to push here. Um, But we'd be so much more beholden to that, you know, crumbs falling from, you know, the platform holders table. Like, here's the game we think you are worthy of this time. Um, Can I have just a crumb of video game? mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's... there are way more games I also ignore, but because I've seen them and not because, you know, the cover art doesn't interest me on the store page. Um, and I think that's a much better way to ignore a game. Like if somebody's showing off their gameplay of it and like, oh, at least I've seen that much at this point. It doesn't it's not not for me or whatever. I have a, I, I can get a baseline pretty quickly. Yeah, but like it's 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 a whole lot easier to do that than, you know, scrolling through the Steam front page or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Scrolling through uh, platform marketplaces is not I, like sometimes like uh, the thing you're looking for will be in like the new and trending, but it slips a lot of stuff slips through the cracks. Yeah, it does. That's I think that's a great point. And one of the th- I think one of the things that social media has really helped me personally with is just in general discovering games that I would have never found, you know, like even as something as silly as. Uh, when I played Time Spinners a few years ago, there was a Facebook ad for that game. And I was mm. like, I would have never heard of this game had I not seen that ad. Um, you know, because as much shit as we give ads and as much as I dislike ads for the most part, there there can be a time and a place for them. And um, I think that for video games, adding, if they're not, if they don't look like the cheap mobile 
predatory shit, which we usually see for mm-hmm. ads, if it's like a genuine game, I will more likely check that out if it's a legitimate game. You know, um, I've heard of a lot of good indie games that way. Or another really good way is when people are talking about Kickstarter projects, which is how I actually initially got into Kickstarter. Josh would always talk about supporting games on Kickstarter. And I was like, eh, that seems like something alien and foreign to me. I don't give a shit. But then, um, (laughs) sorry, Josh. But when, um, you know, somebody was talking about (laughs) there's this project on on Kickstarter and it's about this and it's about this and they're showing video clips and stills of the game. I was like, "Whoa, that sounds really cool." Um I want to check that out further. And so I migrated over to Kickstarter and from there I've discovered a few games that I've since backed because somebody was just talking about it um in a quick and digestible way that made me want to check it out further and social media is really good for that a very quick digestible way um as as much shit as we can give twitter you can only go on so long of a rant on there which is nice because then you disseminate information as quick as possible and i think that's to the benefit when you are trying to hype something up like a video game when you're trying to get someone on board with that so um it's been really beneficial there for me of discovering mm-hmm. smaller games that i wouldn't have normally checked out Yeah, not even not even just the smaller games. Like every now and then, a you know one of a game from one of the big companies that just was not on my radar didn't look like something I was interested in. Again, kind of like I was saying, it's one of the devs of games that I do like that I kind of know we've got you know similarish taste. They'll be playing something or other that I was just you know just didn't care about. It looked like any other you know sort of. B game type thing that it just just didn't resonate. Didn't resonate until until someone was you know explaining why they actually were interested in something instead of seeing just a trailer for it. Uh, you know, just the sizzle reel, like having Some someone explain why they love a game with a trailer. I have had about a million times where I have been completely disinterested with a game, gone hands on with it, and been like, "That trailer sucked. That was a terrible trailer. Oh, yeah. It did this game no justice." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've found quite a few, especially like you know, year or two old type games that I just missed that someone's you know going back to talking they make about a lot of there. video games now yeah 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 i mean that's a good point i mean i discovered biomutant through social media ads granted oh, that sorry. wasn't so a... so it's not all success stories so it's not foolproof <laughs> <laughs> there you go uh we, I, we, we, yeah i should have expected two dickish comments i don't yeah. know why i thought otherwise <laughs> The best part is like it's, this is more so pushing your buttons because it's not even like I think Biomutant's terrible or anything. I just didn't like it nearly as much as you did. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> I um, hate that narrator so much. <laughs> yeah, that narrator. Like the the voice acting is fine. It's just the actual narrate the narration and the the implementation. Oh, of it's it. so much of it. It's so much of it. It's like. It's really cool, it's charming, but it like it's something At you first. want for like a couple hour experience. 
And like 40 hours in, he's still narrating everything. Like, I was like, oh, what's happening to me? <laughs> the, the fable guy is here. He, st- he starts narrating stuff that's not even happening in game. You're in the kitchen making a sandwich, and all of a sudden you hear him talking in your head, explaining what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I have the same dream every night. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I mean, like, th- I purposely kind of picked a shorter topic because I knew that with Rich coming back that we were going to have a lot more to talk about. Is there yeah. anything else that you guys really want to hit on with this topic before we move on? I don't have much else to add. I, th- I think we hit the finer points. Um, you could talk about the drawbacks forever, but I think that's more of a miserable discussion. Yeah, <laughs> that could get. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I think because yeah. I think, I think it's more beneficial if we kind of discuss the higher points. Oh yeah, I don't see what that adds. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't make for a fun conversation, yeah. and not one I particularly want to have. Like the drawbacks are the drawbacks of social media in general, and that's that's yeah. a can of worms. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think we can leave it there. I know it's like a very short topic for us but i i you know that that was the full intention of yeah the one that we picked so actually i'm going to kind of parlay that into normally we would take a break after the topic but i think it's beneficial for us to now talk about rich's experience at pax so in in a way we're kind of doing a double topic so to speak let's do it let's do it where where would you like me to begin so (laughs) My question is, Rich, did you fuck anybody at... The, no, I'm just kidding. We covered that in the intro. <laughs> oh, I was... I always got to circle back around, see if you catch him in a line. Yeah, just see, like, <laughs> see if your story's changed. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anyways, uh, so talk about, like, because there, I think there have been a lot of people who have been kind of starved of these kind of conventions or have never been to a convention. So in just like a few sentences, like talk about the process, not necessarily of like traveling to get there, but when you go to this convention, because I've been to TGS, that's the only thing convention I've really been to like this. Talk about the process of getting there, getting in there. And like, what's the first thing rich you look to do when you go to one of when you go to PAX East or when you went there this year, when you and Ray went together, what was the first thing you guys knew you had to do when you got into the convention? Just like in a very abridged version. Uh, well, I'll, this is going to be very abridged. Well, first of all, let me say the process is different now in a, in a COVID world. Um, because (laughs) I'm sorry, Josh is making me laugh. Um, (laughs) you have to now it's a fully vaccinated, fully masked event. Um, so when you get there, they expect you to have that clear pass installed, which sort of has your vaccination card on it. You need to find someone at the gates and show them that. Um, and then they give you a bracelet that says, Hey, this person's vaxxed. They can come in. Um, and then you get to do the favorite part of doing what we do, which is you get to not wait in line because your badge says media on it and you get to flip everyone off and walk through a different door. Uh Um, and then if you're looking for the real answer here, what I usually do is uh i find a locker because i am carrying a lot of shit with me and i don't want to be carrying it all day but um i know that center pretty well the boston exhibition and convention center because i've been going there for this show for years 
Uh, and mostly like my day one go around pretty much is I have a list of appointments I'm going to have for the weekend. And I just kind of like to get a feel for the floor, walk it, get an idea of where some of my earlier appointments are going to be, uh, get an idea of what some of the bigger things I'm going to want to see are. And this year is sort of a different beast because none of the big devs that are normally here or there, there's no Blizzard, there's no Sony, there's no Nintendo. Um, it really was an indie show, and I think those small games really benefited from that. Mm. I think, like, I think that was actually kind of a good thing. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, like, you get in there, and there's just in general less people, right? The only day that was sold out this year, normally every day is sold out, was Saturday. Saturday was the only day that volume-wise, like looking at the show floor, felt like old packs. Okay. Uh, every mm. other day was very light, and you're certainly not going to hear me complain about that. Mm. Okay. Okay. So you get in there, and like, what, do you, what are you looking for? What, what are you and Ray looking for? Usually a bathroom. Uh... <laughs> Wear a diaper. <laughs> That's that's it though. I'm not really looking for anything. I'm just kind of perusing the floor, getting the lay of the land. Well, I didn't know if like when you walk in there, it's like okay, I want to see this specific developer because here's here's like I guess this is not that big of a deal, but like kind of pulling the curtain back for us when you sign up for like getting a media badge for one of these things, sure. you get a ton of fucking emails. Oh my god, though. Had the you been checking the inbox? <laughs> Uh, dude, I, I was not, I was, I was steering clear of our email the last few weeks, but uh, you get an inordinate amount of emails with devs and uh, people in the media trying to get you to like come check out whatever it is they're working on. So yes. I didn't know if there were like specific ones you're like, I need to check them out first. Well, I mean, that's just the thing. And that's why the whole point of that email process is I had appointments with all those people. Um, so it was less like I've got to get here. And in fact, like I was covering appointment booking for us as a company. So um, I had a lot of like the first day Ray being like, oh, and I want to check out this. And I go, well, you're going to go see that on Saturday at two thirty. So don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so basically when you get in there, you're trying to see in general things that you like don't already have an appointment for, correct? Yeah, and a lot of it was, for example, I deliberately didn't book us any appointments on Thursday because we were driving to Boston on Thursday. I couldn't be sure what time we were going to get in um, and how much time we were going to have on the show floor. So basically the first day I went in and I said, hey, look, man, um, we can walk around for a little bit, but like, keep in mind, you have an appointment here. As soon as the show floor opens tomorrow, you might just want to get an idea of where that booth is. Mm. Uh, so basically stuff like that. And it was... Then another thing that people who have never done this might not know. So inside for people listening, like when you were at an event like this and you have media access, your your badge is different. Like the entry badges are different. So when you're walking through a lot of the time, you will get devs who just like flag you down and are like, come look at my game. And even more so this year, probably because it's mostly indie devs. So there aren't the huge lines that are normally like there's a line around the Sony booth to play 20 minutes of this game. Uh, everything felt a lot more accessible and it was a lot easier to just walk up to booths, kind of take things in. Um, 
for example, like I we played a game that I'm going to talk about at some point soon called WrestleQuest that I'm very excited for on Sunday. And the show floor was starting to close. And those lovely developers, a fucking amazing group of guys, they just let me sit there for an hour and a half and play the game. Like, That's and, they, and they were like, hey, I don't think you're supposed to get this far. Like, I think it's starting to break a little bit. Like, this build isn't stable. <laughs> um, and then for this will be interesting for anyone who is into wrestling. Uh, while I was demoing that game, Xavier Woods just showed up at that booth. Uh, Holy shit, Xavier. I'm just kidding. I don't know who that is. And he was wearing, he he was, as you would expect that man to be dressed, he was dressed in Gundam slides and a Yu Yu Hakusho t-shirt. So he was, he was straight vibing. He, he was, he was into the moment. Yeah. So to speak. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll quit asking you questions and I'll, I'll let you kind of tell the story as you want to tell it. And I'll interrupt you or Josh will interrupt you when we have questions. Sure. Um, so basically, I mean, the main thing I kind of wanted to talk about here was I checked out a lot of games. There are two bonus podcasts where Ray and I break down everything we were seeing all weekend. Um, I wrote a piece that was like five games that were like the biggest hits for me of the show. I'm thinking about writing another one about five more games because I just want to keep talking about some of the notes I have. Uh, but what I wanted to bring up was a few things I saw that I think particularly would be of interest to you two gentlemen and the first game i want to bring up is tectonica which is the first game from developer firehose games uh i met with the creator this game was not on the show floor i met him at his hotel to get a sort of like private build of it this is a very uh like satisfactory factorio game and i thought like it's the most josh fowler game i've ever gotten like an hour-long demo of uh very early on but like immediately intuitive um it's going to support up to four player co-op and it is a crafting survival factory constructing game and i normally don't get too absorbed in those because they require so much of you but the thing that grabbed me about this game immediately is i played it for about an hour uh while we were sitting there with the lead developer and ray was in that meeting with me as well and everything just kind of clicks really quick. Like normally I feel like those games take forever to get you anywhere within mm-hmm. like 15 minutes. I was fully automating like a drilling process um, and it was immediately intuitive. There's just very early, but it has a steam page out. So it's definitely something to to keep a look on. And if you're into those sort of survival crafting factory building games like this one really scratches that itch and doesn't take forever to get you started, which I think is a ben- a huge benefit to a game like that. Cool. Interesting. Uh, uh, most of that kind of just flew over my head, to be honest with you. It's, 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 a jo- <laughs> it's a Josh game. That was like, Ray and I both walked out of that meeting and we were both like, Josh is going to love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to look that one up because I hadn't heard about that one yet. So. Um, I, w- I want to delve into some other stuff I think the both of you will really be into. Okay. Um, this is another one you can steam wishlist now that's due out later this year from uh, Alan Blick Studio, uh, published by Goblins Publishing, who I went to see a couple of their things. It's called Deluvian Winds, and I'm going to sell this to you guys really fast. This is Spirit Fair. I never um, played okay. Spirit Fair. I thought you did. No. I told him to, and he uh, never got around to it. I, I, you know what it is? It, it's such a game that I think he would like that I no, just he assumed would he played it. it and liked it. Yeah. Um, I would love it. it the way the uh, <laughs> the the publishing people working at the booth explained this game to me, and I think it's a great way to explain it, is um, family friendly survival, and then Ray and I refer to it as transient Animal Crossing, 
basically you are running a uh, a lighthouse, right? And your main goal at the end of the day is to produce materials and keep this lighthouse burning. The brighter it's burning, the further people are going to be able to see. And animals will show up and it'll be like, okay, this bear showed up and he's going to stay for 11 days. So now during the daytime, you can have these people who show up, these like humanoid animals, do different things, like depending on their skill set, like someone might be able to build more lodging so you can have more people stay at a time. They might be able to build a greenhouse so you can make produce. They can build a fishing dock so you can fish. And at the end of the night, you need to keep everyone fed. You need to keep the lighthouse burning and you want to keep building up. And it literally builds, Josh, in that spirit fairer way where you're just building up behind this lighthouse and oh, you can cool. build into the sky. You can build fishing paddocks underneath. Um, the demo I got to play just had you survive for like an 11 day rotation. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty upfront with me saying, we don't really know what the end game is going to be yet or if there's going to be an endless mode or something, but it's got a great atmosphere. It looks great. And it has that you're not moving around like in spirit fair and people are not leaving when you've, you know, fulfilled some task for them. It's just this character has shown up. He's here for eight days. It's as simple as that, but it's just relaxing and deceptively complicated, but not so much so that it's taxing. Okay. That does sound pretty interesting. That sounds like in my wheelhouse for sure. I I think both of you would be really into it. And it's definitely something I want to take a look at at some point. Um, keep keeping it flowing to, uh, stuff. I think you would both like power cord, which I brought up to Josh briefly earlier. Um, it is a, a roguelite deck builder, but, uh, it was initially described to me as slay the spire meets darkest dungeon with the aesthetics of brutal legend. Uh, so it is a roguelite deck builder where you it's party based. So you are a rock band. Your singer is your medic. Guitarist is DPS. Bassist is like AOE and status ailments, and your drummer is your tank. Uh, as you draw your hands, you have different cards that correspond to each character in that sort of line. Um, and you attack the other band and try and take them out and go on this sort of like road trip roguelite adventure where you're burning new cards, fighting bosses, getting unlocks. It's just got a great look and it flows about as well as a Slay the Spire or something like that. And having multiple characters is very much that like punishing darkest dungeon feel where they'll try and focus down certain band members. Oh, yeah. Um, But it's got a great vibe to it. This actually has a demo on Steam. So if anyone's interested in that, you can you can try that out now. I believe it's just the same demo I played at PAX. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's. Yeah, there's. Oh, man, I'm, I'm trying to, like, not miss anything, like, incredibly vital. Um. I talked about WrestleQuest to you guys before. Uh, What's that? This okay. studio is... Uh, they, Microsoft showed this off recently, which is what, when it first caught my attention. Uh, but this is basically a JRPG uh, meets wrestling meets Toy Story sort of game. It's got a lot of actual wrestlers in it, but basically you're playing as a, uh, a wrestling action figure. Uh, fighting your way up through wrestling leagues and the combat is most comparable probably to the Mario RPG series like straight up JRPG combat with the button based timing stuff Um, a lot of actual wrestlers like I said appearing in this game Macho Man Randy Savage, Andre the Giant Jake the Snake Roberts like 80s, late 80s early 90s deep cuts Um, and this game 
I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, so I don't want to talk for too long, but I played about an hour and a half of this and the show floor was closing or I might not have ever put it down. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Just just very good. Uh, God, I really don't want to miss anything that I think you guys the, would that's like. Kinda, that, that's cool, though, like to, mar- to marry those two fandoms together in that way. There's a big cross section, as people who are on the Internet might learn, between people who like wrestling and people who like Japanese role playing games. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Um, but who would have hey, known? Who would have who would have thought that? Uh, the I feel like there's another Shay one I really wanted to make sure I brought up. It's gonna bother me. Oh, this this is one that both of you might actually enjoy. Um, this is one of the last games I got to demo, which is another coming soon sort of game. Uh, another roguelike game, uh, but a roguelike word game uh, called Writer's Block, where in order to attack your enemies, you need to spell a word from like a, a sort of Scrabble board coming up. Mm. Um, and the enemy's attacks can basically place damaging effects on your board where it'll be. If you use these tiles next turn, you take damage for using them. If you don't use these tiles this turn, you're going to take damage. Um, mm. These ones are now going to do half damage next turn. And as it turns out, when you were on a show floor trying to play a word game with a developer looking over your shoulder, you immediately become a fucking idiot. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure that's the reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I already was, but it was worse. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was made worse for the uh, case. That kind of sounds like a nerdy Puyo Puyo in a way. Similarly, yeah, I guess it's take it's taking a lot from, I think, like, you know, I think of like the wordles of the world and all that sort of stuff. Um, two of the games I'm actually most excited for, I was given early access to codes to on the show floor, so I'm going to save those when we're actually talking about games. And those games are Eurogun and Phantom Brigade. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything I definitely want to also bring up. We played a lot of stuff, guys. It was, it was a good weekend in that regard. Um, it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also got to meet with 505 Games and talk about a game that'll be on Game Pass very soon uh, called Ayuden Chronicle Rising that, spoiler alert, I backed the Kickstarter for the game this is a prequel to. Um, so I, there might be some bias here, but for uh, for reasons I won't get into now, we'll say we'll be talking more about that at a later date. But uh, that's it's going to be on Game Pass. Everyone should try it. It's it's something special. That's yeah, that's dope. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. You do. You do. It's true. Everyone in this call knows exactly what I'm talking about. Except Bob. We never know why the fuck Bob is here. He just shows His up. His camera's never says always anything. on and he just stares. It's weird. Uh-huh. I mean, that's not what we hired him for, but I didn't even know we hired him. Well, now you do. Oh, well, I'm learning stuff. Learning is half the fight it's it's learning say. learning learning is the battle that we That's what they all say. fight we are together we f- the battle is we're we're fighting it mm-hmm. yeah you gotta fight, fight for your right to battle you gotta fight oh here's here's one last one i definitely can't believe i forgot to bring this up because you'll both be very into this i think you guys might have seen the steam page for this at some point uh blind fate ido no yami which is coming out in quarter two of 2022 oh yeah no i didn't hear about that okay so this is a metroidvania action game where you were playing as a samurai in the far-flung future who is blind 
Say that um, three times fast. No. Far flung future. Far flung. Far flung future. Far flung future. Far flung future. Um. Yeah. The, the you are sort of like a cybernetic samurai who is blind, and the way you get around this is you can hear enemies approaching you. Like you'll see sound waves. But in order to render the environments, basically because you were also a cyborg, they've uploaded memory banks of the world as it was like 200 years ago. So you're looking Hmm. at still frames of the world as it was hundreds of years ago. And the thing that's interesting about that is it has this crazy like light bending artifact because it'll be like raining in a city, but the rain isn't moving because you're just looking at a still frame. And then also like an example in the early tutorial is you're jumping from rooftop to rooftop and you go to jump on these air ducts to hit the next rooftop and you just fall because in the present, those ducks aren't there anymore. They've <laughs> collapsed like you were looking at the world through an obscured lens and the combat feels great. And I think it's just such a unique idea for traversal. What's it called again? Uh, <laughs> let me make sure I'm looking at it correctly. Blind Fate Ido no Yami. Blind. OK. Edo. Edo. I always say I always say Edo as Edo, and I know it's like Edo period or whatever. So yeah. I just immediately sound like an idiot. No, that's okay. That's I mean that's all part of learning a different language is different different pronunciations. So. Precisely. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, but I will definitely I will look that look at that at the very least. Yeah, because that sounds very intriguing. It's a, a very cool looking game, and a lot of these, some of them have uh, demos up already. Most of them, at the very least, have a Steam page, so you can, you know, wish list it wherever and keep an eye on it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely check that out for sure. Um, cool. All right. Do you have anything else you want to mention about packs before um, we move on? It was fun. It was exhausting. I'm glad we can do things like this again, unless you guys have any specific questions. Uh, you know, if you really want to hear us get into the weeds of those games and some more games we saw, there mm. are two bonus podcasts out, and I also put an article up about some of the stuff I played. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm while you were talking, like, admittedly, this whole time, it probably seemed like <clears throat> none of the fans know this, but, like, I was not... I was, like, kind of paying attention to rich kind of not at the same time excuse me i was working on getting a post up for rich in regards to that because i i wanted to you know make sure people saw that so yeah i want i want i want people to be able to see all the work that you put in when you went to pax so i mean there's there's a lot of stuff that you like content that you've created a lot more details that you go into both on the written article and the the podcasts. And uh, also, you know, this stuff goes undersaid. So thank you to you guys for grabbing those audio files as I would send them over for Boston and getting them up quickly so we can get that coverage out fast. As much as I'd love to take the credit for that, that was it was all Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to Josh on that one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fun times. I can't tell not that knowing what's gonna happen. Well, but... Not knowing what's going to happen in the show that I'm editing. So it's, you know, it's little, always an, little, an interesting change from the usual. Yeah, mm. not the not the best audio quality in the world, guys, but we're recording on one mic in an echoey hotel room, uh, doing the best we can for you. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. That's yeah. better better than nothing. So um, okay, well, let's go on break really quick before we talk about the sheer amount of games we're going to be playing or talking about that we played this week. Woo! So, um, we will be right back with uh, the game talk. 
Psst, Shay. Shay, you there? Yeah, what's up? I don't know if Josh can hear us. I hacked into his edit of the podcast so we could plug the other shows. Quick, we got, you got to tell me what kind of new shows we have on the horizon. What's going on? What's in the feed? Okay, so it was like I was saying to my friend the other day that freedom isn't free, bitch. That's a reference for no one, but that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you about new episodes of Evoking the Sublime. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that podcast that I recently got three new episodes up on. Yeah. Thanks for pitching that, man. Thanks for plugging that. No, I am legally obligated to. Well, I heard you got some episodes up on uh, Jumping at the Bits. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got a new one up on Kirby, where we talk about all about his history, his first two games in depth, and his just general facts about him overall. Oh, oh shit! Here comes Josh. Uh, Josh, we were just we were just telling the people about uh, Chomping After Dark and nothing else, like you requested. Maybe maybe you could tell them a little bit about that. Chomping After Dark. Yeah, yeah you, you remember that. In, yeah, you know that one. While I'm editing, how, how did you get here? It's not important. The point is, Chopping After Dark is a show where we spoil video games and sometimes movies. I heard we do comic books occasionally and TV shows, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Occasionally we do do those things. Yeah, and you said doo-doo. <laughs> I did say doo-doo. It's funny because it comes from your butt. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, anyways, Josh, we'll let you get back to editing. Sorry about interrupting you. Hey, yo, what's up? We back. We back with another one. Another one. Another one. We're going to do this podcast. Another one. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I hope that all makes it into the show, but we are actually back. We are back. So, let's talk about some video games. Okay. Rich, I, I forgot about this. Switch Sports came out. Yeah, man. Um, I have played a little bit of that, and let me tell you. What? It's pretty good. Um, Switch Sports is out. It's $40. It is the successor to Wii Sports is the way to put it. Um, I'm going to use this opportunity to say that I don't know how the editing process is going to be, so it might actually be out before this podcast is out. We're about to do uh, a chomping at the bits about Wii Sports. Uh, Which is interesting. Perfect. It, it, Timing-wise, we needed something lighter with all the planning for packs. And uh, timing wise, it couldn't be better. Like mm-hmm. that, that was a thing we did on purpose, not a coincidence. Um, <laughs> just so you we're clear. intentionally planned it this way. Yes. Is what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I played a little bit of uh, switch sports and I should point out, I haven't had a chance to play every sport that's in there yet. I had like 45 minutes to an hour before we did this to plug away at it a little bit. So what comes in this package um, is bowling, badminton, tennis, Soccer, uh, I believe it's called Chambra, that sword fighting sport. Okay. Um, and I believe, yeah, I, I believe that is it. Um, I decided to, since I had only had the time to try a handful of these things, I was going to start by dipping into what we know from Wii Sports. Uh, so I played some bowling. Bowling's a standout, you guys. I'll say this much. Um, because it controls exactly how you remember Wii Sports. You know, back in the day, you'd swing that Wii remote, pull it back while holding the Z button down and let go. You do the same exact thing with a Joy-Con, only the Joy-Cons are way better with this tech, so it feels way better. Yeah. Um, the other thing to point out is that you can still, like back in the day, 
play this with some, you know, pals around your room. But also, you can queue for it online in a way that is really easy and shocking because it's a Nintendo product and it's really easy to match make online. Um, there's even a feature that allows you to queue for three sports at a time and just jump into whichever one is ready first. What? Um, That's fucking cool. It's bananas. Like, again, these aren't like original ideas, but the fact that Nintendo's doing them in a first party game is baffling. I've never heard being able to queue in like multiple online sections at the same time. There are some like multiplayer games that have done like you can queue up for multiple game modes and whichever is ready first. It'll just put you in kind of like when you do like a, a random playlist in Halo or something where it's just going to throw you in the mm-hmm. match of whatever queues up fastest. Um, that's cool. I didn't know. I didn't know that existed because I haven't been much into online multiplayer games. It's I think we're going to it's going to we're going to see more of that regularly. But uh, I think we the, should. The, the thing that shocked me immediately when I first went to go do a round of bowling, because I did everything I did in online play and it was great. Um, the bowling is scored via elimination. And what I mean is <laughs> you're doing a 10 frames of bowling and it starts with, I think, like 15 people. And after the first five frames, I believe it's like, okay, we're going to do five frames and the 10 lowest people are going to be kicked out. Hmm. Uh, I I know it's it's got to be 20 people, actually, because I think they kick eight people out at frame five and then so on. It goes, we're going to do three more frames and then we're going to kick five more people out and then we're going to do two more frames and then we're going to be down to two people. These fucking children were not prepared for a Wii Sports veteran. My first <laughs> round of bowling, I won with like a 192, and I think the person in second place had like a 67. I bowled a turkey in my first round of, of Wii, uh, Switch Sports bowling. Damn, dude. So, you know, back at it, it works. Um, same thing with tennis. It's pretty much exactly how you remember on Wii Sports. You know, whichever direction you're swinging the Joy-Con in is whether you're backhanding or fronthanding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're playing as single player, you know, there's two of you and you just mirror move. But you could also, you know, play with a partner um, and queue up against people online. Badminton obviously feels a little floatier and serving is kind of cool because you do that actual motion of like tilting it up and serving in that game. And you can get really ferocious. This is another one where in my first online match, I just destroyed the person I was playing against, (laughs) uh, which I'm just riding that high. Um, And then after that, I wanted to try some of the new stuff. Badminton obviously is new, but at the same time, like you knew mechanically it would be similar to tennis. Uh, Soccer might be the most complicated thing they have, and I think it's kind of neat for that. Um, It's a four on four. I need to look more into this because I believe if you have that leg strap from Ring Fit, which I have, mm-hmm. I think you can attach one of the Joy-Cons to your legs and then actually run in place for the running. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing a video of this. I need to look into it. But you're holding both Joy-Cons. You're just moving around the field and you have a dash with the left trigger. And then basically the direction you swing the right Joy-Con in is the direction you're going to kick. So if you hold it low and go straight down, you're kicking and keeping the ball low. If you can pop it up, you can kick left to right. And it's a four on four, um, I believe, like a three minute match. If nobody scores in that time, it'll go into overtime and the first goal will win. But it's just it's it's soccer with a huge ball, I should say, by the way. The ball is like the size of the characters playing. <laughs> it everything is it's simple, but it just works and 
the online interaction is fun. You're getting a ton of unlockables for these characters you are creating. It is a new style of avatar specific to this game, but you can use a me. When you go to select a character, you can choose to use a me and then go in and make one because everybody cool. forgets you can still make me's on the switch. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I'm going to be curious in the long term to see what your opinions are of this game and how it stacks up with a lot of the other party games that the switch has. Um, I'm pretty tempted to get this game just to, you know, like have a I'd love party. to play some with you guys, like have a yeah. like, you know, get on a Skype or discord chat and just play some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, we should actually make um we should make make that happen actually legitimately and not just talk about it. Yeah, I know I'm I'm down for that. Maybe maybe sometime this week or next week. Uh I wanted to bring this up also about this while I'm thinking about it because I didn't I don't know if you guys noticed this in like promotional footage. I didn't really notice it until I was playing the game in action. These style of avatars really remind me of Splatoon characters. Like they don't have the squid characteristics, but like the art of it is very much in line with the design and that um, like poppy anime aesthetic of Splatoon uh, Squid Kids, which I think is a good direction to move in. Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of the more stylistic properties in a while. As far as the customizability of it goes, they're very much channeling that with as you play games, you're like leveling up a bar and unlocking new customization options. That's cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. like super early impressions, but it's fun. It's out. To, it's out today as of this recording. Uh, it's it's forty dollars. Dope. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out then. That yeah. sounds exciting. OK, well, next we are going to now we're going to talk about this game. I'm, I'm a little surprised that we're talking about this game just because of how much we've you know, like shit on the company the past year, but like I, I don't judge. I'm just surprised. Yeah, I, fuck I, I you, wanna, Josh. I want to make, I want to make that very clear. I'm not judging. Um, Josh, you played Overwatch two. I did. The uh, beta is going on for that. With the the PvP beta, um, where they're kind of uh, from from um, there are a lot of big changes going to this because they're moving from a six on six to a five on five format and one tank only one yeah one tank only so they're having to kind of retool a lot of how you know just structurally you you think about the game um so most of the changes so far are changes to the tank lineup so reinhardt is now the only tank um they actually have more tanks now they've uh doomfist is a tank now am i yes they, they switched doomfist to a tank which Makes sense, um, because he had so much CC and just annoying people type abilities, um, that it really made more sense to move him into the tank role because, um, kind of one of the major changes from, uh, this switch was getting rid of a lot of CC altogether, uh, in Mm -hmm. order to make the game, um, I hear it's a, a lot bit, faster. Yeah, so, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, a little bit less of a sort of It was a little overwhelming by the time we kind of got to the end of Overwatch 1 as far as like the actual strategies that were going on which kind of devolved into 
like these death ball style comps where it's like, okay, we need to combo these things together in order to, you know, be able to lock somebody out of a fight completely to, you know, get any sort of advantage. It was just kind of, it was a lot and it was kind of miserable to play tank because you'd get in those situations where you just get stunned and then, you know, and the, and also the question would be, so am I the Reinhardt or am I the other tank? <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyway, anyway, um, it, uh, so far, seems like good changes. There are a few things that it seems like they've just not gotten around to yet. Sure. Um, such as basically every tank was reworked, uh, at least a little bit in order to make them work. Roadhog only got a little bit more health, and that was it. Uh, no other changes, which I don't see how that's going to work, uh, with the new format. It's just... Like I, I used to play I, I a lot of the, dis- the displacement is is still super helpful to be able to just pull someone out of a team, um, but you now have one less player to help you blow up that person that you're pulling out of position. Yeah. Um. And so that utility is just not quite as good as it used to be already. And then there's been no other change. Uh, I see that kind of on a, on a list of things they need to look at. They've done basically nothing to the healers as well. Um. So you know, it, it seems like there's still a lot of tweaking that's going to need to be done before it's there. Um, but the format itself, switching to five on five, I think is a really good thing. Um, sure. Just because it's a whole lot less to process mentally. Not if you were playing tank on an Overwatch League team, but otherwise um, it's good. Well, yes, yeah, that's yeah. The downside, if that's what you're doing, yes. Um. But it's easier it's easier to visually process. It's easier to be the tank because you're not just getting CC'd constantly, which is not fun to play as if you're just, you know, stun locked for long amounts of time. Um Sure. Yeah, it just it's it's the 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 game feel of that of Overwatch One was still basically, you know top tier by a wide margin but this just makes everything so much more responsive um by by having you know you're a bigger proportion of the team um so your actions feel like they're just way more immediately impactful sure and probably easier to follow i i heard someone say and i want to know how you feel about this josh that they should have like called this Overwatch tournament mode or some like tournament edition or something. And to me, like that just sounds like smart branding in the sense that I'm like that kind of bodes well because it makes it go like this is Overwatch, but like we've streamlined it and just improved the flow. Yeah, if the if it was only the PvP stuff that they've got so far, absolutely, because it is most of these changes are. Man, the the competitive scene has just become really stagnant. We need to do something to really shake it up in order to sure rework everything. Um, however, the big portion of Overwatch 2 that we've not seen any of in this, because this is just a PvP beta, is the, the PvE mode, um, yeah. that are, that are, you know, there can be campaigns and su- supposedly lots of other content to do just with the group, like just get together. Narratives. Yeah, just get together, screw around, kind of like we do on, um, Deep Rock Galactic or whatever. Yes. Um, and none of that is here because, you know if they're trying to get as much information as far as 
you know, bug fixing, feedback, balancing stuff. The PvP, the, the PvP is the thing is, you need to test. Exactly. Um, and this seems like all good steps that they're taking. Um, speaking of a lot of the controversy around the company, none of it's been addressed satisfactorily yet. No. Still, um, other than the, you know, little slaps on the wrist that, you know, the courts have given. Um, and to be fair, it's probably hard to address that in the middle of a buyout, but like, yes, that's we'll see where, how that road ends. Uh, yes. Uh, upside ish. Um, there were a lot of reports coming out from the actual devs working in these teams about how just micromanagey the higher ups had been getting over the last few years after the Activision Blizzard merger. Sure. Um, and in the you know last six months or so, apparently they've been actually giving their dev teams more of the freedom that they had earlier on. So I, at least that seems like a better sign about how they're managing things. There's again, it it's probably a sign the, that some of the problematic people are gone. But yes, so it seems like things are improving. But how quickly that moves along and what happens after this buyout, like you said, there's 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 still a lot up in the air about whether or not they're going to actually address all the root causes that need to be fixed. But it seems again, from anecdotal evidence from the, you know, some of the devs that I still follow in that studio, things are better. Yeah. It's yeah. Things are turning around a little bit. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful at least at this point, which is more than I've been in a while for that company. And I really hope that, you know, having someone else in charge higher up will do something to, you know, get things back to where they ought to be considering, you know, just the, the history of Blizzard um, before all of this completely went to shit. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, cool, I guess, that they're making changes to try and freshen up Overwatch. Uh, Still, fuck Bobby Kotick. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny that you ended up playing this game because there's a poll kind of in regards to Activision and Blizzard that we'll be reading about later. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, I didn't play much video games this week, to be honest with you. I didn't feel like picking up my controller that much, but I did play a little bit of horizon forbidden west um i was trying to do some of the various things in there that i hadn't gotten to yet so i did my first uh i think they're called tall necks i always forget their names yes yes i did i did my first tall neck in the game um i've done some more side missions and i did a little bit of exploration and i'd messaged rich this right before i went to bed um (laughs) And I think it's because I just played the game so recently. But as I was playing and as I was exploring, I was enjoying my time. I really enjoy the exploration and the look of the game and the feel of the game. I couldn't help but shaking, shake the feeling. I couldn't shake it, basically, that I wanted to just be playing Breath of the Wild the whole time. Because <laughs> uh, that game, fuck, that game is so good. But um, it's pretty great. I mean that's that's not a knock on. I love that I you waited be... to play it until right before Forbidden West drop. came out. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> it's yes. going to both ends. Yeah. Well, I will say this. I, I, I am enjoying my time. Uh, some of the side missions and side content stuff it has already started to become a little boring and samey to me because mm. the way a lot of this stuff is rolled out, you can't do it right away. You have to wait. Whereas like, and I think this is partially why I was thinking about Breath of the Wild is like you'll come to like an old world ruins or you'll come to like a, a cave and it's like, you don't have the right tools to get in here. And it's like, okay. And then you start finding more of these and like you're getting gated from a lot of the stuff there. And basically it's, it's the game's way, the way they've orchestrated it to where basically they want you to basically come back and it's more replay value essentially is what Mm. they're doing there at the end of the day. And I don't like that anymore. After having played breath of the wild, there's no purpose for that. Like in the grand scheme of things, maybe, maybe there's some greater narrative thing that I haven't seen yet, but for the most part in terms of if I'm looking at it from exploration, I don't want to have to, traverse all the way back and waste resources just to open up one or two things in one area on a map that size i should say granted fast travel is easy and that makes it better um but this isn't like a metroidvania game where you are assuredly going to be backtracking like when i when i play a metroidvania game mentally i know that's what i'm going to be doing um yeah. With this with this game like being being gated from exploration for the sake of replay value, which is what it feels like here, is not a welcome thing for me personally. I don't think it's for replay value. Um I mean I don't think that game expects you to replay it. It's just, you know, you get certain items at certain points in the story and I, I guess it's more of a mental hookup for me. Like I don't think of it as going back because I mean you're all over that map all the time. I I, and I, I don't see it that way, to be honest with you. I, like, I'm, I'm not saying the game expects you to play it all over again. I'm saying that the game is trying to basically wring everything that it can out of the person playing it, keep the person playing for as long as they yeah, possibly there, can. Yeah, there's some, there's some roadblocks on certain content subs, and sometimes you can hit a... Tr- Unfortunately, some of the best side content is like hidden off in weird corners and stuff, um, because there is some really good side content, and a lot of it is really samey. Right. And I think this is kind of like what we were talking about when we weren't jokingly ragging on Cyberpunk 2077, is that there are some really good side missions in that game. They're really good side missions, but they are bogged down with all of the samey side content in that yeah. game. And that's what this game is starting to feel like. And yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not jazzed for that. And, yeah. l- and look, uh-huh. that's not... that's. I'm going to say that's less of a knock on the game and that's more of where I'm at in terms of gaming. I like, think it could be I'd, both. That's fair too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's completely fair. You're not, I don't think you're incorrect there. The thing is I've, I've noticed that this year, I don't know why I just haven't been into gaming as much this year. Like it, it may seem otherwise. Mm. Cause I put like a hundred plus hours in a Pokemon legends Arceus and a, almost a hundred hours into oh, God, that was this year. I know, it yeah. seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But I just, like, I've been playing all these long games, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good, like... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm at a point right now where I don't really feel like playing many video games, and so when I do, I want to, like, essentially maximize the fun and enjoyment that I'm getting out of these games. And right now, 
I don't necessarily feel like I'm having the most fun that I could with Horizon Forbidden West. And it might just be because of the mood I'm in. So it might be something that like right now I just temporarily shelve and go play something else. And it's not a knock against the game. It might just be where I'm at the headspace I'm in right now. But I don't like I don't feel like sitting down and playing another long ass game. Yeah, I've got to really be in a mood for, for that style of open world game. Um, yeah, like I think saying, that's fair. It's just it, it's it's not something that I'm always in the mood for. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I was doing a mission yesterday, where basically it was it's one of the side missions where you have to shoot the three antennas off of uh one of the ro- one of the robot types, and I like I I do it and then I t- I take the antennas back and. You know, I traversed through all that, and I was like, what was the point of me spending 15 minutes doing that? You know, like, I, I got negligible resources. I I didn't, like, I didn't really enjoy that whole process. Um, and I, I did a few of those kind of missions, and then yesterday I was like, You're not supposed like, to you know, think about it. Just take the dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> take the hit, fucker. No, I, I, I kind of changed my method or what I was doing in that game, and I decided to go do a cauldron, which was the first cauldron I had done mm. in the in this game. And that was a lot of fun because oh, yeah. that was less about just like wandering around in the wilderness and just killing things as more it was looking exploration. This, yeah, it was more about the exploration. And I was into that because I wasn't being gated by anything and anything that like I was being roadblocked by, there was an easy workaround. I just had to find it. And I do, and I mentioned this when we talked about the game previously, which feels like forever ago now. Um, that stuff, like the cauldrons and stuff, are some of the best side, like, quote-unquote side content in this one, because I think they found really inventive ways to make a lot of those mission types from the first game, like, flipped on their head. Like, weird shit happens when you're doing that. Like, you'll be in halfway through an activity when you realize, oh, fuck, I've actually been doing a cauldron this whole time. Hmm. Yeah, the the cauldron I was really really keen on. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. So, um that that part of the game like when I did that yesterday, I really enjoyed it. Um however, you know, th- there was just like some of the other stuff I was not digging on as much. So, Sure. We'll see. We'll see if I stick with it a little bit more um oh. or if I just kind of switch games for now. And come back to it because I I do wanna I do wanna finish the game. I am enjoying the game. I don't want to sound like I'm like harping on. It. I just don't think I'm in the right headspace for it. That's yeah, that's fair. First world problems. White people, so, right? White people. White I was people. like, well, my coworker came up to me today, and she was. I was like, why are you in such a bad mood? And she was like, my horse died. And I was like, white people problems. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's move on from that. Uh, Rich, you played uh, Uragoon. Uragoon. Uragoon, or as some it, people it, would say, Uragoon. The name of the game is Uragoon. I know. Uh, I, know. I yeah. said it right in the intro. I just wanted you, to you did. I, no, you're Uranus. Uh, yes, this is another <laughs> one that I actually played for the first time at PAX. This is in Steam Early Access right now, and the devs were kind enough to hand me a code right there on the show floor. So I said, I'm going to go play a bunch more of this. Um, this is a bullet hell mech game. Uh, 
basically it is set in a far future where you are a AI driven mech uh, that wakes up and for clarification, let me put uh, thanks to Ray for pointing out to me. This is the easiest way to explain mech games ever. Uh, This is armored core mechs, not Gundam mechs. So it's a tank with legs. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So you wake up and you're set off to look for your pilot, but the world's pretty fucking destroyed. Um, And so you basically find this rogue computer program that wants to help you figure out uh, what happened to the humans and what's going on and why all these other machines have sort of gone rogue and like turned on humanity. Um, There's a bunch of different environments. I from talking with the devs, they're aiming for a full release in about six months. Right now in the current version, about half the missions are in it. And I've done pretty much everything that's in that build. You you travel all across the world. There's all sorts of different environments to be dispatched to. But the real fun is in getting the collectibles in those levels, vying for high scores and trying different weapon combinations. Because as you progress, you'll unlock a ton of different weapon types. Uh, there's Gatling guns. There's a rail gun. There's a rocket launcher. There's a high powered shotgun. Um, it's got a really great feeling dash that gives you inv- invincibility frames like there's shit coming at you constantly, but everything just feels really good in motion. Uh, the bosses are cool. It it's bullet hell at its purest form. It's just fast paced and fun. And I think the world is interesting enough. There's a lot of like Intel to be gathered. I can't gather too much from what's currently in this build. Obviously, late game stuff is not really in there yet. Um, but I think the writing for this sci-fi world is pretty solid and most importantly it feels really fucking good to play uh you can just kind of lose yourself in it for a while hmm. okay okay so who like who do you think this game would obviously you're, you're talking about it but just in general who do you think this game would really appeal to if you like bullet hell stuff twin stick shooters you're gonna find something to like here okay okay so that like are, do you still have to purchase this game or no? You Yes. You, is it a yeah. day one purchase for you? Well, no, no, I don't have to purchase it. I have a code. I thought you meant in general. No, I, I meant you as in Rich Meister. Yeah, no, if I didn't already have possession of it, I, I would buy it day one. I was really into it from what I played on the floor. Okay. Okay. Dope. Cool. Well, uh, urine, urine gun is uh, in the books. Come on, man. You know that's not what it's called. <laughs> uh, good job, Rich. Thank you for detailing that. Uh, next, we're going to talk about connote words. Um, the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> sorry, uh, not words. No, that actually is helpful for people trying to look this up. Um, not words is a... Uh, I know what Knockwurst is. A, a, a word game, as it may have been obvious from the title, um, um, with the premise being it's sort of like a combination between a crossword puzzle and Sudoku. Cool. Where instead of having clues for each, you know, down and across, uh, they're all broken up into chunks. Like, okay, like these these four blocks that are together here are the, here are the four letters that are in these four squares um oh. or, or it's kind of like so the puzzle is broken up into chunks where you have all right you know these letters go in this approximate area 
Um, and so you have to figure out how you've got you've got all the spaces and you've got all the letters, and you're just figuring out where they all go. Um, and it is really satisfying from what I've played of it. I, I played about three hours, which is was only two puzzles for me. Uh, they've got two modes. They've got one where uh, those rules are basically all of them. Uh, and from what I've seen, they've been slightly easier words. Um, at least, you know, like what, what's actually there. And they also have another version where you have that, but also um, sort of like... Um, I mean, I guess also like Sudoku and or uh, like Picross, you'll have numbers down the, the sides of the grid, like um, one for each column and row, showing how many vowels are in this column or row. And at least from the puzzles I've done of that so far, uh, the words have been a little bit more complicated because they're giving you that extra bit of information. Like, okay, the, you know, you know how many vowels are in this line. Um, I, I really dig this. I think this is, um, I, I like word games in general. I'm not, I'm not like a, a, a crossword fiend. Like I know a lot of people are, and this is kind of, I think it's scratching a different itch than that because that is way more about riddles and, uh, like vocab type flexing. It's just, it's a different sort of thing, and this is way more the sort of spatial puzzle-solving aspect of it. Like, you still need to know words, because, you know, just like any other crossword, they're going to put some weird shit in there. Stuff that is just, you know, not commonly used words. Um, but by giving you the letters that that's made of, it's just a, it's a very different feeling of, of you know, your your thought process to solve it. Um, mm. I've been, I've been playing the version that's on steam currently. It's also on, I know it's on iOS. I'm not sure if it's on Android as well. I assume it is more than likely. Uh, um, the, the audio is, is kind of fucked on steam. Uh, but also this is the sort of game that I immediately turn the audio off and like watch a show or something in the background or, while I'm, yeah. while I'm working on a puzzle. The very um, least listening to music or something. Yes. Yes. So it, I, I, that would be a, a reason. Also, it's, you know, if you just get the phone version, you've just got it with you all the time, um, which might make it, you know, something easy to play. It's got a, of each of those two puzzle types that I told you about, it's got a new puzzle every day in that. It's got, you know, a daily puzzle, and then you've got the archived puzzles of everything before that. Um, so, you know, if it's, if, if you're looking for like a daily puzzle sort of, fix this this might be something you're interested in um i've i've really been enjoying it it looks cool it it sounds interesting i like word games sounds relaxing i would say too yeah it's from uh zach gage who has done a lot of these like okay let's take something everyone understands and just kind of fuck with it let's let's change it up a little bit make you rethink the puzzle it's he's the guy who did uh um really bad chess a while ago which is chess where you just get random pieces at the start of the game 
remember seeing that and that seems super interesting too yeah and this seems like a, a you know a, a, a take on that sort of idea like okay what what can we Twist do with, on classic puzzle games yeah like what can we do with a crossword puzzle that we've not seen before and this is kind sure. of that cool dope all right well the last game we're going to talk about is pan tom brigade why you like this man <laughs> who hurt you <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is uh, Phantom Brigade, which is uh, another game. Uh, I know Josh hasn't gotten around to it, too, but uh, I met with these folks over at PAX and they sent us some codes as well for this. Uh, guess what? It's another mech game in early access, but this is a very different one. Uh, this is a mech tactics game. And I need to dig a little bit more into this, but for starters, I really like the aesthetic. Um, Ray and I had the pleasure of talking with these folks for a little bit. And one thing we as people who build a lot of Gunpla, Gundam models noticed immediately is these mechs are constructed in such a way like in the game. And the devs even pointed out to us once we said this, that they wanted them to they wanted to be able to consider making models of them at some point. Like they're built where you can clearly see there's like an exoskeleton underneath and you could see where all the joints are and stuff and how everything works. Mm. Um, but this is a tech uh, tactics based mech game. Single player campaign um, in early access now. And the thing that makes it super interesting is, you know, it's got that vibe of like an XCOM or something like that. But the way you plan your attacks and movements, the there's a probability matrix in all your mechs. That's part of the sci fi universe where you can accurately. It's not quite um, into the breach levels of I know exactly what the enemy is going to do. But you can basically, by going along this timeline on the bottom that looks a lot like a video editing bar, you can see what the enemy's probably going to do and where they're probably going to end up. Um, and likewise, you're planning out your actions on a time bar and then hitting play to watch everything go in sequence. Because of this, you can do things that you can't do in a lot of tactics games that I really like. For example, I could tell my mech to move up and then halfway along his movement, I could tell him to start attacking as he's movement moving. So you can move and shoot. You can move around where you can see an enemy tank or mech is going to go. Um, because of this, it's also really easy to flub and make mistakes that you have to look out for. Uh, one of the first things I tested when I was playing this here at home, because uh, they gave us some codes for the early access version, was... What happens if I make my mechs run into each other? And the answer is they fell down and one of their arms fell off. <laughs> uh, so there's like real physics-y collision on that. And I think that the thing that's most interesting to it is it, it just starts getting more and more complicated as you go on in ways that I think are really interesting. And that probability idea of, well, this tank's probably going to move here, so I'm going to want to move up a little bit and take some pot shots at it. But... Those this, things aren't uh, set in stone. If you do something, you, you can change like the logic of what they're going to do, but it's pretty mm. reliable. This kind of sounds, I mean, obviously we, the probability aspect of it was not in there, but it kind of sounds like Frozen Synapse, which is another sort of chunk of time tactics game mm -hmm. where like you plan out, all right, like let's do the next five seconds of everything and you, you know, give orders to all your little guys for them to move. Yeah. And the enemies are also moving at the same time. Um, that's kind of like a board gaming concept, the whole planned movement. Yeah, so you, a... you can see on the timestamp, it's like, well, if I move here, this tank's going to move up when mm -hmm. the action starts. So I'll probably end up colliding with it. So that's a bad move. So I'm going to want to go up and around it. 
Yeah. And then the added element of being able to pl- put an attack in, but also plan at what step in your movement the attack is going yeah, to start. Yeah, when it goes off. Yeah, so yeah. being able to move and shoot, like shoot as you're running behind cover, it, yeah. it it's a cool element that makes it a little bit more tactically inclined than these games sometimes are. Yeah, I like I like that whole probability aspect of it in order to make it a little bit more approachable because that's yeah frozen synapse is is fun but it it's it's a lot to go into a move like all right all five of my guys are gonna go do this thing they all shoot every single one of them misses because it's just like i just you know mm-hmm. not not being able to visualize exactly where the enemies are going to be moving to. Yeah, you're getting a visual representation on this time bar of this is probably the direction this tank as of right now, unless something I do dramatically changes their tactics, mm-hmm. this is what they're going to do. Um, another cool thing in the design to probably point out is earlier when I was talking about Uragun, I said about like the armored core mechs versus Gundam mechs type thing. This game kind of has a little bit of both where there are some mech types that are just this is a tank with legs. Um, and then there's some lighter ones that use like light machine guns and are built more like a Gundam mech to move quickly and get behind cover. Uh, so you kind of get a best of both worlds out of that, which I think is very cool. Yeah, no, that's neat. That, that does sound good. I'm glad yeah. I've glad I've got a code for that so I can go play it. Here in yes, a bit. I've, uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I haven't gone super deep on that yet because I've been dealing with a few other things, but I want to play a lot more of it. And uh, hopefully before next time we meet, Josh, we'll get some time with it as well so we can yeah. talk a little bit more. Okay, cool. Yeah, mechs, mechs seems to be the theme today. Mechs are cool. Mechs are cool. Glad they're making a comeback. It kind of... Yeah. We thought we were done with them after the 80s, but they're back, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you to Pan Tom for bringing back um, oh mechs. Oh, my fucking God, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also want to point out again, uh, if the studio decides they want to build uh, model kits of these mechs, I, I will buy them. We, we could play. Th- we could play test those as well. We would love to play test the model. <laughs> we just put a video on the website of Josh and I playing with toy robots. Yep. So I wonder what happens well, if we smash it. these together, just like in the game. Does the arm fall <laughs> off? It's broken, and I'm sad. <laughs> just like the game. Hmm. All right, well, let's go on break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll do our end of the show stuff, which is social media polls and Patreon shoutouts. So stick around. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, m- what? Mm. What in the blazes is going on? X-Tree! X-Tree! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store. Dot swordchomp. Dot com. Yes! Store.swordchomp.com! Store.swordchomp.com. Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. Not gonna enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister! 
Did you hear about store.shop? And we're back. Let's do some social media polls. Oh, wait, that's licensed music. Can't do that. You know what's fucked up? Tell I me. can't remember what that that is the theme for. It's Indiana Jones. Oh wow, that's what I thought. Okay. Mm. For a split second, I was like, I can't remember what this is for. Yeah, just like you motherfuckers couldn't remember who fucking Bruce Banner was. I last thought week. about continuing that joke for so much longer. Because like I, I legitimately was in my car. I was legitimately blanking at the beginning, but then I thought we could I did we too. could ride this for quite a while before we could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was worried that we'd lose fans if we did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. As if we're not already losing them. But um uh, anyways, let's do some polls. So the first poll. Activision Blizzard has lost 60 million subscribers, and those are active monthly users since last year. Which uh Yep. I guess uh, 74% of people said hopefully they lose more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 26% of people said that sucks. No, no, that's, that's right for, for A, the business practices, and B, the direction they've been taking. Wow, recently is kind of a nightmare. Don't you people have phones? Um, which I think is why Final Fantasy XIV is having such a comeback. Recently, because well, also, I mean, no, no fault of WoW is like Final Fantasy 14 has done the opposite of what WoW's done. In oh, the past yeah, yeah, decade and just gotten better with each expansion. Yeah, it was like fixing it was already really good and they just keep fixing stuff, so it's just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm, yeah, fuck Bobby Kotick. Uh huh, yeah, Bobby Kotick sucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. We already know how I feel, so I'm yeah. not going to... As a fan it. of the WoW universe, it's really disheartening seeing what's happened with that lore and everything. With I don't think I've played in two expansions. Yeah, it's, it's been a while for me as well, but it was kind of running into that... That prestige uh, what, what, television slash, you know, the Walking Dead television sort of territory. Like, yeah, we could fix things. But we're not like everyone's yeah. everyone's always going to do the dumbest possible thing. And the, the lore just gets dumber and dumber. And in order to have anything that has any stakes anymore, they're like. Here, this is backstory from 10,000 years ago that you just didn't know about until now. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why? They went to they went well, to hell, you guys. Yeah, like we, there's there's so many characters that everyone cares about that. They just don't let have. I mean, stories. To- to, to be fair, I always read about what they're doing, and I did read about that next expansion. And like, as far as premises go, it at least sounds interesting. But for me to get back into WoW, a lot's got to change in that company before oh, yeah. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, no, that I'm fine checking out their beta thing and finding out if they're you know doing anything interesting. But I'm not paying a subscription to them at this no, point. No, certainly for, not. Yeah, certainly not. True. I will. I won't give that company another moment of my time or another cent until things drastically change. Yeah. And I'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. Word to action. Exactly. Uh, next poll. The Mario movie has been delayed until 2023. And How there was do you much rejoicing. 33% of people said bummer, dude. 
<laughs> what do you mean? Six, I just I own that movie on DVD. It came out like six, years ago. Sixty-seven yeah, percent of people said I couldn't possibly care less. Listen, I was gonna be there day one. Like no one, don't lie to me, you motherfuckers, and tell me you're not morbidly curious about what the fuck this thing is gonna be. I mean, there's a reason NASCAR is the favorite sport in America. I it's, thought it was because people love being bored. Well, it's because everyone loves to watch a car crash. Yeah, but, like, shouldn't they not crash <laughs> if they're good at it? I mean, you'd think so, but there's a reason pro wrestling is more popular than, you know, actual wrestling matches. Hmm. Uh, I, like, Rich, I will say this. I'm curious in the same way that I was curious about Sonic. Sure. Um, because I, I had such low expectations, but with Jim Carrey being in the movie, I was like, I'll watch it. I, I don't I, even think it's the same thing for Sonic with me. Like, I had no expectations, but Jim Carrey caught my interest in the same way. But with the Mario movie, it was immediately more like, this is going to be weird. I, well, that's kind of, well, yeah. I honestly, it was, it was a very similar feeling for me until they announced Charlie Day being in there as Luigi. And I was like, that's good for a watch. Like, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong is what did it for me. Yeah, that's that's so on the nose. Yeah, that's, just that's who we all picture when we picture Cranky Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seth no. Rogen as Donkey Kong. <laughs> you like, hey, hey, you want some bananas? <laughs> <laughs> you want the strain of bananas? <laughs> you know that shit's coming. The, the monkey's high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I don't care that it's delayed, to be honest with you. Whatever. Do you think Dino Haddon will be in it, like in the original Mario movie? No. They're gonna try to try to make this a, an extended universe. That was that was just one of their, you know, alternate realities. Dennis Ooh. Hopper as Donald Trump. I mean King Koopa. I mean King Koopa. Yeah. <laughs> What's the over under on a bet for you guys that um, there will be a gag in there where Donkey Kong tries to smoke Toadstool? I don't think it'll be like flat out, but I think it'll be like a. Uh, an implied that's bit. what i'm saying what's the over under for that, that oh i don't know i feel like that's a sure thing <laughs> i do too but we'll see we'll see we'll what's see the, if they slip that past um i bet you guys nine hundred dollars that the opening of this movie will be charles martinet talking in the normal mario voice and then mario coughs and it turns into chris pat's voice and he's like sorry about that I mean, that'd be the way to handle I'm, I'm it. I'm tempted to take you up on that bet, but I don't want to be I'll bet you twenty. I'll bet you $25 because the made-up amount doesn't make any sense. How about this? How about this? How about this? Let's do something like, like a little bit better. $26 if that comes to is. fruition, if that uh-huh. comes to fruition, I will make a video for Instagram where I say Shining Force is a terrible game I have shitty opinions in video games, and I need to get good. But if I thought you were going to bring back the gorilla mask. <laughs> I could do the chicken mask. <laughs> the gorilla I, mask is in the U.S. But no, if... Um, oh, there you go, Josh. I'll be in my underwear and chicken mask only as I say that. <laughs> there we go. But Rich, if you're wrong, you have to... Go to Times Square. This already sucks. <laughs> eat a, a hot sauce covered banana. Mm. 
and just scream at the top of your lungs, I did it for Sword Chomp! And maybe we can it's get ready to record that. the least weird thing that happens in Times Square that day. I'm really not uh, liking the part where I go to Times Square, but I guess that's fine. You're, you're going to have to beat off fair? half dozen yeah, bootleg it's not even cool while any, trying to record this. It's not even cool anymore. Giuliani ruined it so long ago. But, like, I want you to just, like, bring in a plate, bring in a banana, unpeel it. Like, this is, like, performance art. Lay it on the plate, like you would, like, back in the day when we did streaming. Just take some hot sauce, dump it on the banana, just mm-hmm. eat the whole thing, and when mm-hmm. you're done, spike the plate on the ground and be like, fucking did it for sword See, jump! you think that's it, but that's not it, man. If I gotta do this, I gotta go the extra mile. I gotta man on the street it and, like, interview random people without context and be like, are you Team Shea or Team Rich? Dude, if you if you pull that off, I'm okay. Like, if you want to add that to the bet, I'm okay. But you got to commit to it. It's not going to gonna it. be part of the bet, but it's gonna, I will at least do what you've asked of me. Okay. All right. Virtual handshake. This is weird. It seems kind of sexual. Uh, my, my hand's Dixon. there. You can't really see it in the frame, but it was... Okay. All right. Josh, you've been witness to the... Uh, A gentleman's the agreement! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, indeed. All right. So next, next on the docket. What are we talking uh, about? We're talking about, have you ever played a video game that you've seen nope. advertised to you on social media? Um, which is actually kind of the inspiration for the topic we did. And 47% of people said, yeah, and it was great. And 53% of people said, eh, I can't say I have. I was surprised I at how close those numbers were. I don't think I have. Depends what you mean by advertised to me, because kind of like I said before, the develop, you know, develop, developers tweeting about stuff and showing it off. I've bought stuff because of that, but not because I, I they like call that an advertisement. advertisements. Yeah, like, no, because I mean like a paid advertisement ad. where it's like a generated thing. Yeah, no, no, I don't clearly think so. paid for ad space. Yeah, I think the only thing I've bought because of a thing like that was. A, a like little you know those like little key multi tool things mm. that had a crack pipe in it. <laughs> cool. Like, do you still have it? it, it uh, no, I got rid of it because they showed it off as that, but because selling drug paraphernalia is illegal in, in the states, they didn't actually drill the thing all the way through. It was like, oh, here we, we're selling this thing. It's totally not a pipe. You've got to drill it out yourself. Which, hey, that sounds easily easy enough. But but the hole that they were actually using was like a, I don't know, like a sixteenth of an inch, you know, bit hole. But you would have needed like a, a three inch long bit to actually drill the thing out the way you needed. Mm. And those are basically impossible to find without getting like a specialty hardened steel bit um, I was, for, for I was drilling out say, metal, which I was going to say men with lifted trucks and uh, mm. truck nuts just all <laughs> rejoiced in unison at your description of that. The truck nuts community. Yeah. Yes. Uh, three inch that could drill into a one sixteenth mm-hmm. inch of a hole? Yeah. Sounds like someone's calling anyway, my name. Yeah, like, like I'm saying, it would have been a specialty drill bit, which would have like tripled the price of the stupid thing I'd already bought at that point. I'm like, hey, whatever. It was, it was a fun for a laugh. I smoke crack that bad. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure exactly. I have all these light bulbs. I don't need this. 
exactly. Like the heat transfer on this thing being made out of metal seems like a poor choice of materials. That's just gonna. I'm gonna be burning my lips. Yeah, that seems problematic. Yeah, it was more mm. fun as a joke than anything else. But anyway, yeah. guess I'll just smoke crack out of this light bulb. Oh well. Yeah. That's fair. I I've bought a few games from those advertisements, like like I said, Biomutant and Time Spinners, and also um, I I've bought shirts from an advertisement. Actually, I've definitely done that. Yeah, like that 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 has gotten me. But for the most part, I don't usually buy anything from those advertisements. That's where I bought my shirt that has uh, the picture of Michael Scott, but it says Inuyasha under it. That's my favorite thing. I, I, and my I, I, Neon I, Genesis Evangelion Garfield shirt yeah. revolt definitely just adds. Like, there was such a big thing for a while where the the automated bots making bootleg shit on Twitter would instantly set up a store page for anything you said, I want a shirt of that. And so you just go in and say that on any random photo just for the fucking sake but of seeing the bots the... show up two posts later yeah. with, a, with uh. a link to some t-shirt printing place with it's a photo best... of whatever the fuck was on there. Yeah, no, it's the best content though. We're like just getting like Raroni Kenshin in like Garfield font on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that you just randomly pulled that out, but yeah. Advertisements can work sometimes and when it comes to video games. So, yeah, the yeah. last poll we last poll we did. Let's uh, move into the last poll that we did, uh, or I did rather. Is this this came upon me? <laughs> this is a hundred percent true story. This guy. <laughs> this uh, this happened to me. So literally, I was playing Horizon Forbidden West. I fell asleep and I woke up and I was like, "Shit, I still got to do polls tonight." <laughs> this is the first poll that I did. How often Naturally. do you fall asleep while gaming? Um, there you go. 69% of people, nice, said rarely if ever. And 31% of people said too much because I'm old. Surprised our audience skews that young. Almost <laughs> never for me. And I'll say not because I'm like incapable of doing that. But typically, if I'm that tired and it does happen a lot, I can't even get far enough to, like, turn the game on. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. The um, I don't know if I've told this story before, because it's not me. It's it's a friend of mine, but it's the worst case falling asleep while playing a game ever. Uh, a good friend of mine, when Pokemon Sun and Moon came out. Um, poor soul, poor soul. Rest in peace, buddy. Uh, he's alive. Um, he fired up, he fired up Pokemon Sun, uh, and played, and now keep in mind, he was an EMT who worked a lot of nights. Uh, he played through, like, the first four gyms, and never saved, and then fell asleep, and his 3DS died, and he messaged me and goes, so, never playing that game again. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully he learned his lesson. Yeah. Save oh. early and often, kids. Mm-hmm. God damn, dude, that sucks. Yeah, I I do it far more often than not. Like usually when I sit down to play a game, guaranteed falling asleep nowadays. Man. Yeah, like I just don't have the if I'm tired enough that I'm going to fall asleep, I can't even muster the strength to uh to get that far. I just can't yeah. concentrate. 
Mustard is gross anyways. Yeah. I don't like mustard. I love mustard. Depends on the mustard. I didn't even hear what you said. I love mustard. Yeah. I'm not great. a big fan of just the plain yellow mustard. That's no, no, yeah. yellow mustard's Buff garbage. Like a, a spicy deli brown mustard. Oh That's yeah, like I, I, we've I like, had this discussion. Holy shit, we've had this we? discussion. I don't feel like we've yes. had the mustard discussion. No, we've literally. I, I just had deja vu, and okay. I remember Rich saying those exact words. We're stopping there. We're not that old to where we recount that stuff. I don't know. We've it's, had this it sounds discussion. Sounds like content We're, to me. The name of the episode is now the mustard debate. <laughs> Mustard debate <laughs> redux. Nah, fuck that. Fuck mustard and uh, apparently fuck staying awake and playing video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this show by doing our wonderful Patreon shoutouts. Um, full disclosure: I sat down last night to write them, and I just had writer's block. I couldn't think of anything funny to write. Um, I want to apologize for that. Usually I try and write some, some funny Patreon shoutouts. I could not think of anything, and I sat down this morning to do the same thing. I had nothing coming to me. I what if you just did it in a German accent? <laughs> no. But, uh... All right. We'll, we'll do it in Russian instead, no. Uh, that, that was fucked up. I feel terrible making that uh, joke. But, uh... So we want to give a huge thank you and special shout out to each of the following. Ivan, Josh, or as he's known, Mr. Parzival, Bernadette, Matt, Cy, the guys over at Beefy Gamers, Eric S., Bebop, Josh L., Justin, Paul, The Zalbi, Tawny, Amber, and Fletch. I want to say a big, wonderful Special thank you to each and every one of you. Um, you warm the cockles. You, <laughs> cockles. Uh, you get us to stand at attention. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I read your guys' names, I'm turgid. Uh, this is not helpful. <laughs> uh, thank you. Maybe, maybe thank if you, you said it in a German accent. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you were saying it like this, <laughs> maybe this would be helpful for you. I, I, can't, I can't do a German accent. I can't do a German accent. Excuse me, can't I use your poopenfaden? <laughs> <laughs> this is German for toilet. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we're focusing on your German accent and not the uh, Patreon shoutouts. <laughs> <laughs> priorities. We have our priorities here at Sorachomp. But no, in all sincerity, thank you very, very much to each and every one of you uh, for supporting all the content that we make, all the stuff that we work on, um, you keep the lights on here. So, ser- sincerely, thank you to each and every one of you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Yes, no, Dankeschön. Sankenusen. Oh, thanks, German guy. Dankeschön. Yeah. I think that's Danke. what And as uh, Josh typed, because he's too shy to say it, thank you for supporting this dick. Dick! <laughs> This Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> this Sunday. Thank you for supporting this dick, dick, dick. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get out of here just really quickly. As a quick reminder, if you want more content from us, head over to sorachomp.com where you get access to all of our side podcasts. Um, there are three of them over there for you to check out. And as Rich alluded to, you will most likely have a new episode of Chomping at the Dicks. I mean, Chomping at the Bits. Up over there. Um, that one costs extra. 
Yeah, that one's only on our OnlyFans. I wonder. I wonder. I don't know. That makes me wonder. No, we have too much to do as it is. Um, he also wrote an editorial, or an article, I should say, at the editorial section of the site where he talked about PAX East. So if you want articles from us, head over there, check that out. We have a merch store, store.sorchunt.com. You can buy wonderful stuff and rep us out in the wilds. And um, if you want more content from us, patreon.com slash Um That's the best way to support us. It keeps the lights on here. Um, we're going to get out of here. Thank you. Have we said? Thank you to Rich. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, I like your little short mustache, too. Uh, thank you to Josh for being here. <laughs> oh, like I was Hitler. your host, Shay. Thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you to the patrons. And thank you to the devs who uh, supplied Rich uh, with some codes and stuff. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Thank you. Um, and we will be back next week with another episode of the Chomcast. Take care.